not, I'm not in a good mood. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, let's, just hello everyone. <laughs> I fucking hate it. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Bop. We have, uh, as you can clearly tell by my uh, demeanor, um, we, we have a show today. It's probably not a good one, but it's, it's a fucking show. Christ. Um, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff, uh, namely, uh, what we've been doing over the last, uh, week or so, but also, uh, n- news has broken, about a bunch of stuff uh, regarding Xbox. And so we are going to be tackling that. Um, Yeah, so. I am your host, the one and only Bebop man, Josh McMullen. And I am joined by one of my two co-hosts, Dylan Rubik's Cube Martin. Why are you a Rubik's Cube? That was the first thing I saw on my desk. Oh, you have a Rubik's Cube? I do. <laughs> you don't strike me as the kind of person who would have a Ru- Rubik's Cube. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have a Rubik's Cube. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, I'm not, it's not a bad thing. You just, you just don't strike me as the, that kind of person. I do have a Rubik's Cube. Oh, okay. Um, not like the, it's not even like the traditional rubik's cube it's like different like more vibrant colors more for speed based solving hmm it's cute okay so that's the first thing i saw it was that or a beanie and that didn't make sense well you are <laughs> yep a little beanie yep <laughs> you're a li- little bean boy that's <clears throat> uh vanilla bean frappuccino yeah <laughs> yep Oh boy, sweet sweet drink. Uh, I was gonna ask you something, but that well, I was gonna ask you something, and then I reminded myself that that is uh, not really, um, I guess applicable anymore. I was gonna ask you how Starbucks is doing, but (laughs) 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 you know, uh, hopefully they're great. Hopefully they are wonderful. And if they're not, fuck them. Fuck them. Not my life anymore. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, how, you know, how are you doing? Are you doing? Are you doing well? I'm doing well, but I'm you? not gonna. I'm not gonna go into how well I'm doing when you are not having a good day. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think it's. Just, it's just. It's one of those days. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you just don't want to wake up. You just everything sucks. Oh. <laughs> one of those days i got you yes yeah. i'm familiar with those yeah i'm trying to make sure that jeff knows that i still love him on some okay. level um yeah so it's, it's not it could be worse it could, i think it could always be worse right yes yeah. they quite literally could so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be too upset about uh a fairly benign day i guess um 
So yeah, uh, cool. Well, uh, I mean, let's just fucking let's get this fucking show on the road, man. I watched uh, Lisa Frankenstein this week. Um, Kayla and I went and saw this on Valentine's Day. Are you familiar with uh, Diablo Cody or her work at all? Nope. And I'm pulling up what this even is. Okay. So Diablo Cody is a screenwriter. She really burst onto the scene uh, with Juno back in, what was that, like 2006, 2007, something like that. Um, And since then, she has written several um, different movies with uh, varying degrees of, like, cultural success. Like, uh, she did Jennifer's Body, which at the time wasn't, received like the best but it kind of had you know the cult following thing uh she did the movie young adult with um uh what is his name uh Patton oswalt and uh uh what is her name the oh god um i'm blanking the blonde girl she's uh, Charlize Theron. There we go. Mm. Um, so she did that. Uh, she's had like a, a relatively strong career, uh, but like it's it had been a while since I had heard her name uh, attached to anything. Um, and so this was her first movie in a while for me, and it's directed by uh, Zelda Williams, who is Robin Williams' daughter. Um, this movie is basically a female version of Frankenstein, but like, it's more, I almost feel like it's a, um, it feels kind of like a sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to, put this it feels like if tim burton directed bonnie and clyde but smashed that together with like beetlejuice um so it's very 80s like i i loved the entire aesthetic of this movie like um but very 80s sort of a like i said like a nightmare on uh not nightmare on elm street but like a nightmare before christmas uh, Edward Scissorhands sort of sort of look and feel mixed with like Bonnie and Clyde romanticism crime thing uh, it's a very strange mishmash of different things um, but that all said I really kind of loved it uh, like I had such a fun time with this movie uh, I kind of was not expecting that to be honest with you um like i knew that i would i would like it but i didn't know that i would like it like this much um and i think a lot of that has to do with the um the sort of like 80s of it all but at the same time it's a very like um uh, what's the, what's the word that I would be looking for? Um, I, I think it's just like a general aesthetical thing where like I, it, 
it hits all the notes for me that it should. It's really, really colorful. It's filmed in this almost campy sort of like, like heightened sense of reality. Like a like Edward Scissorhands is a good way to. Or it's a good place Dude, to. Dude, that's so funny that you say that because that's exactly so. I agree with the aesthetic theme because it has this really cool, like every picture that I'm seeing is like this almost like, it's almost like neon and it just like, you know, me, that's my kind of vibe. I like that little synth wave type of feel. But then I was like, this is like a neon Edward Scissorhands. And then you just go and say exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, it's a very heightened reality sort of thing. And Edward Scissorhands is actually a very good, like touchstone for it. Like this movie feels I feel like, I mean, like I said, like if you smashed Beetlejuice together with Bonnie and Clyde and then had Tim, Tim Burton like direct it, that's what this movie would be like. Um, so like it was right up my alley, just right up my alley. And uh, I, this is one of those movies that I think I have a hard time saying anything about like what it has to say about like art or, 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 or what it, what it is saying artistically, I should say. Like, I don't know that I necessarily understood what it's, uh, for lack of a better term, like messaging was because there's a lot of stuff going on in it and it kind of gets muddled a, a bit. Like just for instance, um, the, the backstory behind, Lisa, and this is explained in like the, the first 10 minutes. So it's not something that's really like too big of a spoiler. Uh, but the thing, the, the reason that Lisa is kind of the way that she is, is because her mom was attacked by a, um, serial killer or maybe not a serial killer, but just like a masked killer. And it happened in front of Lisa, uh, while she was like her mom told her to go hide in the closet and this, this man attacked her mom and, and, you know, killed her. Um, so Lisa was right there while it was all happening. And like, so there are several things that are dealing with like characters in closets and like, it's very like, uh, I feel like it's it's very much hinting towards like queerness and like a, the whole like being in a closet thing and um like hiding your yourself away but there are other things that kind of like are uh they cut against the grain of that because like I I it's not necessarily something where like I I I don't think that you necessarily need to equate queerness with goodness like you can have queer characters that are are bad people type thing um but i do sometimes feel like things fall into this trap where like what you're trying to say is sometimes like you're not using the best like vehicle for that like if you're trying to bring a like Oh, maybe like an awareness to like a, a marginalized group of people, maybe having a movie where like the queer protagonist kills people, you know, it's maybe not the best idea. Um, but that, that all said, like I it, taking that aside, 
Um, there are just other things that like, I, uh, like I, I didn't quite like, I think understand, um, about like what it was trying to say. And maybe it wasn't trying to say anything at all, which is totally fine. Like maybe it was purely entertainment, but there were stuff, there were things there to nibble on that like, to me were like, okay, so it's trying to say something, but then like it didn't stick to landing, I guess would be the best uh the best way to phrase it so um but i had a total blast with this movie Catherine newton uh who was in um the horror comedy freaky with vince vaughn uh where she switches body with vince vaughn he's this serial killer and she's this high school student and then like they switch bodies freaky friday style and so she's going around killing people. It's a very, very fun movie. And she's awesome in it. She is fantastic in this one. Like, she is just on the top of her game, I feel like. Um, which, actually, uh, you you may actually know her. She was, uh, it says here she was in Detective Pikachu. Um, I don't know who she was in that, because I've never seen that. But um, Oh, hold on. Was she the... Uh... Yeah, I guess she was only one of the only females in that movie, funny enough. That's crazy. Okay, I know who she yeah. is. I Looking at her face, I didn't recognize her until you said that. Mm. Yeah, she was also in the, the Quantumania movie that came out last year. I didn't see that, so I don't fucking know. Uh, but she's wonderful. Like, she's a really terrific little actor. And, uh, like, I, I loved her in this in particular. Like, she just nailed it. She was she was off the charts good, uh, but Cole Sprouse is also really good in this, and I'm I like I don't dislike him or anything like that, but like I've never really thought of him as something that was like I've never really thought of him in those terms before, like trying to judge his acting because um, he's just always kind of like I don't know there. I, 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 that's probably a bad way to phrase it, but like, that's just kind of the way that I, I see him. Um, and he's really, really good in this. Like he really manages to nail like stuff with like, I, I genuinely think he may only have like one line of dialogue in the entire movie. And the way he's able to convey stuff just through like his, his, uh, like, body and and uh like facial expressions and stuff uh is is really good um something i i genuinely wasn't expecting uh but honestly the real star of the show for me uh was the uh the sister character uh played by liza soberano she i i like i as much as i loved those two she stole the absolute show for me there was this line in the movie where lisa's uh talking about her crush or whatever and um the sister character says why are you like why are you into him type thing and uh lisa goes oh well, he's so cerebral and the way that the sister delivers this line is just impeccable but she says she says Oh, so you mean like he's in a wheelchair? And I Oh fucking, my god. <laughs> I died. I thought it was like 
fucking hilarious and i've i've laughed about that line in my head like multiple fucking times she Uh. really really goes for it and she's she's incredibly funny and just she's very good she's very very good i loved her in this um the only the only other thing i'll say is like uh the the soundtrack to this is fucking incredible it's just full of excellent i and when i say excellent i mean like excellent needle drops there's a uh uh pixies needle drop that i was like ooh okay cuz most of the times when you hear like pixie shit it is where is my mind like that's just that's the one that people know and you know whatever but like this one was different and i was like okay thank you for using something different but also it kind of fits the scene and there were like a bunch of like other 80s um sounds in this and like just it was good it was very very good um really enjoyed it i if you can go see this one i would highly recommend it because it's so offbeat and very like it's it's got cult classic written all over it. Like that's that's what it's going to be. It's a it's a campy movie that's a, a big homage to like not only eighties like horror movie and eighties cinema, but like it even goes back like even further than that. And I I loved it. Um, very very fun. Very very good. Just check it out if you get a chance. <sighs> Okay, uh, what, have you been, is there anything Uh-oh. that you've been doing? Nope. I have been okay. working my life away, so. Working nothing. my life away. Yep. That's that crazy. A, that's a song, right? Uh, nine, two, five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, um, I guess in that case, we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll just jump right into the topic. Uh, as, as we have, uh, been wont to do, uh, we have talked uh, a a decent amount about, um, the, um, uh, console wars as they were, and, um, there has been a lot of talk recently about, uh, Xbox and what their plans are and how they plan to compete long-term with like the fact that they're losing to PlayStation and Nintendo and, and all of this stuff. And there were rumors that were starting this world a couple weeks back about what um, their plans were and the fact that they were planning to bring more games to uh, multiple consoles and then this week we got their little podcast video thing um, where they kind of discussed what their plans were and so I wanted to talk to you about that and and sort of I maybe not necessarily give your thoughts but like um, just I guess maybe try to figure out where we were with regards to our feelings on everything. Um, so I guess the first thing to ask you is, um, 
what did you think of the rumors and how that would potentially like maybe affect uh, your your views on the Xbox brand, I guess, as like a business? Which rumor in particular? Uh, the fact that they were, well, I guess it's not really rumors now that they've confirmed it, but like the, uh, the idea that they were bringing um, games to other consoles. What, <clears throat> what were your thoughts on that? Um, curiosity, but also, I mean, it's a driving sales factor, right? Like, I yeah. mean, the more games you bring, the more places, the more money that you make inevitably, and the more advertisement for your brand overall. Um, but then, you know, the games that were actually talked about being released to other places, or at least now the ones that we've been speculating, you know, there's, there's going to be no games released within the past year, so take that for what you will. Um, but it's like, what ga- because you don't, you, they're not going to start throwing all their first day launches at other consoles, they're not going to do that, but... Um, I don't know. It's like when they start handing out this candy, so to speak, is it really, is it really candy? If it's like a little licorice whip, if it's not like one of your best games and you know what I'm saying? Like we're talking about quant now. Sea of thieves is great. That's a fantastic game for crossplay and like building a huge, massive online community. That's awesome. But like, if you throw out little tidbits like quantum break here and there, like, is that really going to, drive your face value up any um i don't know man yeah i i I think it's great that they want to do that but it's like but then what are you retaining too at the same time like what games are you not going to um start pushing to other consoles what's the time frame going to be like so when is starfield going to be able to go to other consoles if ever um like what kind of I, I have I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lot of questions that came from this. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that uh, all of those questions are very. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the best word to to use here, but I, I think they're all very valid and uh, good questions to ask. Uh, my my take with with that. Re- kind of regardless is I, I kind of feel like, and I, I think I've said this before. I think that like in a way I, I think that it is very obvious that the business move or or the reason that exclusives exist is for you to buy the box, right? Like that's, that's their purpose. You, You need to have something unique to your platform. Otherwise, why would people choose yours over, over theirs? So I get the purpose behind exclusives, uh, in that you want people to buy into the ecosystem, right? But at the same time, it kind of doesn't make any sense to me from a business standpoint, if you want more revenue to just hold them exclusively to your platform. So I think to your point, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to um, not put things like you said, like Starfield everywhere and that they're only going to be doing like, look, you know, Sea of Thieves is a great idea. Sure. But like at the same time, like, uh, I'm, 
what what is what exactly is it that you will be getting from Sea of Thieves in terms of like sales? Like what what is it that's going to be driving your bottom line forward? Because to me, it doesn't seem like there's much more that you could extract from that value wise. So what's what's the strategy there? You know, does that like what I'm make, saying <clears throat> make sense? So specifically, you don't see the value behind Sea of Thieves. Well, no, it's like not expanding. that I don't see. It's I don't see the I don't think I see necessarily the monetary value, right? Because Sea of Thieves is a free to play game on. Well, actually, I guess it's not. It is on Game Pass free, but I guess it is a situation where you would have to buy it on other consoles, right? Yeah, because mm. Game Pass is free, and then on. But like, if you buy, because I think it's on Steam, right? Or no? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So you have to pay for it there, and that's what I see. Like, if they put it to PlayStation, I mean, they're not going to let PlayStation take it a part of their little PlayStation Extra catalog or whatever. So you're going to have to buy it. And I think the want for it is there because it's a really cool game. And I yeah. think it would do well if the population online exploded. I think that'd be good. Um, more people get access to it. Um, I don't know how the Switch would handle it because that is oh, a very God. demanding game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very demanding. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if make it look like Zelda Wind Waker and let people play it. Oh, God. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's a little value there. But <clears throat> it's like that's not one of their – well, I guess it is a flagship title for them. Yeah, it know. is. But I think I think the, the thing that, like, I guess I beat around is, like, it, I don't think it's going to drive the needle for them, like, in terms of, like – so You think Starfield they, would? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure. For sure. Yeah. Like, pe- people would have to buy – um sea of thieves yes but like are they going to really be getting a whole lot of revenue from people buying sea of thieves when i think the the big draw for that game is potentially like skins and stuff but i'm going to be honest with you how many people are are buying skins on fucking sea of thieves like i don't that's not something that i think let me um so let's say you and i both love forza horizon to death right Mm mm-hmm like that is one of that's probably my favorite racing game of the past generation. Like it's just incredible uh, racing franchise. Um, let's say that Microsoft wants to do everyone a kindness and say, "Hey, take this to your systems, and you know, you can sell it, let other people experience it. That's great." But from Sony's standpoint, do you really want to showcase Forza against Gran Turismo? Or a game like Horizon, like is it like me as a person? I'm okay with track-based racing, but when I when I pick up Forza Horizon, it's another world. And yeah. it's like, do you like you're? That's a strong advertisement for Turn Ten and Microsoft, as opposed to well, who is it? Polyphony? Who makes Grand Turismo? Uh, yeah, Polyphony. Polyphony. Okay, so. Um, I don't know. That's just that's a question I've been asking myself too because they've not said Forza is going anywhere, but that's that's a that's a, that's something I think of. And the argument can be made, you know, does uh, the crew take away from it? But it's like that's a third party game. Well, is the crew's third party, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Ubisoft. Yeah, okay, that's a third party game, and it's like up until this point, Forza is not. Mm-hmm. So that's just like, do you think 
from Sony, would you take that IP if it was a if Microsoft was playing nice with it? Uh, I mean, I uh, I don't think so. I personally, I don't think so. Just because it does, uh, I I I do think that there is. I think that there's something to be said about whether or not something is good versus whether or not something should be, um, uh, what, what, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. Um, I, you don't want to, you don't want to let your, your competition, I guess, have, the access to that that like um would would i guess show your weakness in that in that space if that do you think that in itself is an admission of weakness from sony if they didn't take the ip like is it a damned if you do damned if you don't situation yeah yeah i i think it's very hard to to say without a shadow of a doubt that like if we do this, this is good, and if we do this, do this, this is bad type thing. I, I think That's it's very crazy. hard to choose, like, what route to take in that instance. And that kind of makes Microsoft look like the fucking powerhouse too, because it's like, hey, it's there. We're letting them take it if they want it. Yeah. That's that's wild, man. I, I've been I've been toying with that a lot since that whole uh, video, like, just playing with that kind of thing and what ip i don't look at it from the analytical side like someone like uh um uh, justin would but i like to look at it from the devil's advocate side of what ips would they give away is it is it the um admission of weakness if another competitor i'm just gonna say sony because nintendo will take whatever but (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like how does that work man so i don't know i've been i've been having fun with that yeah for sure and uh, I think to your point, um, with the with the whole ad- admission of weakness thing, I, I do think that one thing that hasn't necessarily been talked about maybe enough with with this is where uh, when we get into the situation where like I, I think we we kind of all like I I mean if we look purely at the numbers, we all kind of see that like, okay, Xbox is the one who is, who is weak here. Like Xbox is the one who is, has to admit like that they lost and, and, and all of that stuff. Right. But like, um, where I'm trying to think of a good way to phrase this question. If, Sony has to, or if Sony like allows Xbox on their platforms or, 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 you know, whatever, how, how much weaker do you think that makes them look versus, versus Sony? Because I think that like, there is something to be said there about how we perceive Xbox and Game Pass and how the actuality of everything is like, it's not that like we we know that they lost, but it is also a situation where like we know that they lost and 
they're mm. actually still putting like really good shit out there. Mm. I see what you're saying. That's fun because <clears throat> it's like if these games are so good, <laughs> why why don't they just buy the Xbox and support that? It's like, but then uh, Xbox just becomes like a glor. Microsoft just becomes a glorified publisher at that point, pu- putting their games on other consoles. Yeah. Yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> that's crazy because, <clears throat> I mean, from that, just, I mean, a little bit of a toxic mindset, right? That's like, it's like, wow, Microsoft's struggling so bad they got to put their games on other consoles just to make it. Um, yeah. That's that's wild. I mean, I think. I love the battle of admission of weakness here, right? Because at the same time, it's like, does that make them look strong? To me, it does because they're expanding their, they're expanding where their games goes. But then at the same time, like we were just saying, what's the point of owning that box if I can keep my PlayStation and play Starfield, whether it's release year, two years later, whatever. Like I'll get it at some point. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't know, man. That's uh, are we looking at are we looking at them becoming just a glorified publisher and being a fucking middleman for all these giant devs? Is that what the Activision Blizzard thing was about? Let's just own everything and we'll start releasing games on other consoles. Fuck the box. Take game I mean, pass. I think we have to kind of look at it that way, right? Because yeah. I don't think like one of the things that Ju- Justin asked me in the Discord about like what my takeaway was was from their little press conference and like my takeaway is that like they are trying to obfuscate the fact that they are more or less failing that their strategies have not worked that like game pass as much as you know people really like game pass it has been kind of like it hasn't been the thing that has saved xbox the way that they really thought that it would be and this is them trying to save face i think in in a lot of ways saying hey we're we're still doing stuff we still have a robust lineup of um you know hardware that's coming and blah 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 and like to me that didn't necessarily like ring true to me like that felt like very marketing speak like they they were trying their best to kind of save face and like be like, Oh no, 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 no. We're we're still in business. We're still good. When the fact of the matter is like, I, I mean, Phil said it himself in that interview with kind of funny. What was it like a year ago, two years ago or something like that, where he was like talking about how, um, you know, they, very clearly lost last generation and that like one of the things that he and I I think it was actually in this uh this little interview slash puff piece that they did um the 20 minute podcast thing they said something about how uh like people had built up their digital libraries in the last uh generation and stuff and to me, that is 100% accurate. And I think that, like, to 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 deny that would be kind of, you know, ridiculous. Yeah, because like, I've gone all digital. Yeah, same. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, like, 
Um, where was I going with this question? Oh, uh, so like knowing that their strategy was Game Pass and that it is, you know, more or less failed. What do you think that the 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 move forward is from here? Because to me, I think you have to continue to double down on Game Pass if that's the strategy that you want to go as Microsoft, because that's kind of their business model. It's just subscriptions now. Like Windows is a subscription, uh, Office, whatever, is a subscription. Like all of this stuff is like just subscription-based stuff. So I think you have to continue to go down that road where... Um, Brother, what if they fucking did away with their box and just like you can have the EA Plus or Ubisoft Plus and everything, like they house every Microsoft quote-unquote exclusive, house every Activision Blizzard quote-unquote exclusive, everything Bethesda that they own under one giant service, and you can get that service on PlayStation, Nintendo, fucking pc whatever like imagine them going that route as the xbox like house it like they do away with the console and now we're just one giant streaming service that would or be download nuts. service yes that and would be that, nuts that would be fucking incredible and they would be the fir- that would be a colossal first step like yeah I yeah would and love that <laughs> so, so my question there uh, is uh, so you you mentioned like you know whether or not game pass cat oh my god game pass would would go on to like multiple different things do you think this is something that justin justin brought up but do you think that like that's something that like sony would allow i don't know because at that point and at what there's so this is such a fucking snowball of a question to me because it's like I think for Sony to allow it, Xbox would no longer have to be a console competitor. Yeah. So the box would have to go away and we would have to then move to PC streaming. And then like what we just said, in order for Sony to allow it, no more box. You can do the PC game pass thing and buy our service there, but just like you can do it there, you can do it on PlayStation. That'll continue to promote, uh, PlayStation sales. Um, because nothing else is ever going to come close, right? Like, oh my god, that's such a... Because then you can just have everything on your PlayStation. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, I'm just starting to, like, open a lot of different doors in my head right now. Because even Phil said during the interview, like, he has a fundamental belief that console exclusives are going to come, like, a smaller part of the industry. And... Maybe that's true from his side, but that's never going to become a smaller part for Sony because that's what they're known for. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's a thousand percent accurate. Um, I mean, that actually brings up, I think, a a very strong, like, question for me at least. In do you see, uh, like, in in the future, like, okay, people buy the Switch for Switch games. They buy them for Nintendo games, right? Like, that's just what they do. People buy Playstations. I think for PlayStation games. Yep. So given <laughs> that like we are currently where we are in, in, in time, if Xbox goes away and decides that they're just going to be a publisher from now on, like there's no, no hardware or anything like that. Do you think that there needs, that there needs to be, uh, 
Do you think that there needs to be walled off gardens anymore? Or are we in a situation now where like we can, we can effectively say that like that, that's, we don't need that anymore. Like that's a kind of like a relic of the past. Like Phil was suggesting. Are you saying tear down the wall between Sony and Nintendo even, and not having one universal place for games? Uh, Is maybe. That what you're I, like, I, I think that like, like, I think that there, there's such a, like, at this point, at this point, Nintendo, for lack of a better, like, way to phrase this, Nintendo is basically a toy at this point, right? <laughs> so, like, and, and that's not like a, 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 a I know. It's not a, a, a indictment on them. Like, that's just, that's kind of the, the fact of the matter. Like, they, they make for lack of a better term toys like that's just kind of how it is um i think maybe more what i'm trying to get at is maybe like we i don't think that nintendo's ever going to put their shit anywhere else and i i kind of don't think that sony would ever put their right. shit on on a switch because you know the, it just a wouldn't run but b like <laughs> It's a completely different kind of like environment, but more so like, what do we do? Do we start getting day and date games on PC with, with, with PlayStation? Do we maybe start getting day and date games with PC and switch? Like, what do we, is there, is there a world like Phil suggests where exclusives are not necessarily the selling points for these consoles anymore? Mm. or maybe think, like another think, way to phrase that would be maybe like we know that like i said the 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 toys thing with nintendo like if you're if you're wanting like a uh a you don't want to play the 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 child game you you buy a playstation or a pc and then it's there type thing i think for phil <clears throat> He's he's running on a very short track with his exclusives, and I think that for him, console exclusives are going to be a smaller part of selling his games because he's about to start putting them everywhere. So he's yes. making that judgment himself. But like you said, Sony games are staying Sony, Nintendo games are staying Nintendo. And I don't know how... <clears throat> I don't know how at that point... Like, I very much see Microsoft becoming a glorified publisher, putting their putting their subscription-based service, we'll just call it Game Pass, through and through every single thing that Xbox owns on Game Pass. No more console. At that point, that seems like an easy call to me. Like, that seems like I feel like where we're going. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I don't know how you blur the line with Sony and Nintendo. I I don't even I'm more acclimated to the feel of Sony PC. I'm mm -hmm. not anywhere in the realm of that feeling with Nintendo PC. I feel like Nintendo will always be that company. Yeah, um, I think so too. I don't know how they I don't I mean, I know how they do it. They start letting PC pick up games here and there. But that's never, ever 
been seen, I don't think, outside of emulators, which they hate. So, um, to your question, I don't know how we blur the line from Nintendo to the rest of the world, whereas I see that becoming more of a thing, yes, for PlayStation to PC, PlayStation to Xbox, um, even Microsoft to fucking Nintendo, I see, but I don't... Like, Nintendo is... It's it's in a very finite corner by itself. And I don't know how we blur that line. Mm. So, let me ask you this. As a... Could we blur that line by having Microsoft be the publisher of Sony and Nintendo? Where they put... Or, or maybe not even be the publisher, but, like, they act as an intermediary where they talk with Nintendo and say, hey, let's put Super Mario Odyssey on Game Pass, and now Holy people shit. can play... I mean, yeah, if they could do that, because I feel like Microsoft and Nintendo play nice already. So if they're kind of the middleman for that, could you fucking imagine that? That'd be nuts. What? See, could you imagine opening Game Pass to see Super Mario Odyssey, Pokemon Scarlet Violet, fucking Metroid Prime 4 by that point, maybe? <laughs> like, that would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, would, that would be nuts. Oh, my God. And it's like, but I, I think something important to look at right here, right now in this conversation is we're to the point in our lives, Josh, you and I have seen video games, not since their inception, but from one of the earliest memorable standpoints on video games, we can remember that. And mm. it's been consistently the same pretty much throughout our entire lives. There's been a console. We buy it. We play the games. We get it for the exclusives. Another console comes out. It has cool exclusives. We buy it. I feel like now the paradigm is about to shift um, completely within the next generation or two. And we're going to see like the biggest shakeup that we've seen in our in our gaming lives, essentially, because I truly don't see Xbox maintaining a, a, a true physical box of any sort after another generation, maybe two. Um, yeah. I don't see that happening. And I never thought in my life back then <laughs> that I would see the day where you and I are talking about Microsoft being the... I guess the conduit for Nintendo's spread throughout other gaming milieus, like into Sony or into PC or something like that by them being kind of the, um, the collector of game pass games and stuff like that. that like that, that's just a wild thing for me to think about and to think that they're, that we're now here because it is a possibility. We like the fuck the gaming world's about to change. It started with the Activision Blizzard, uh, finalization if you ask me because it's like what can't happen at this point because that's yeah. such a big acquisition man and it's like now that we see you know the video that we saw and he even saying in it that he doesn't see exclusives going to be a driving factor anymore and it's like that's kind of telling that he's about to like just fuck, he's about to be Oprah and just you get a Starfield and you get a Starfield um but i just think it's i think it's kind of cool that we're in that moment that we can kind of step back for a second and start like looking at everything from a panoramic and be like look at everything happening yeah 
Yeah, it's kind of weird. It, like, like you said, I, I don't think that this was something that, like, when I was playing games in, what, the fucking 90s, right. that this would be something that, like, would ever even remotely be possible. Yeah, we had our Nintendo and our Dreamcast and our PlayStation, and we were set. Yeah. It's wild to think about. Things have changed so radically, even within just, like, the last couple of years. Yeah. It's cool. To, it's cool. Like, I'm very, like, I want to live forever, right? Like, I want to see the world change. But I'm cool. I'm glad that something that I'm sure is going to continue on for generations to come, I'm glad that we got to see these foundational steps of what it will become and see the history of it unfold literally before our eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's incredible. It's just, it's a lot of... uh interesting stuff to think about and and look at and process yeah Uh, and it all comes down to xbox made it happen and they're the best out of everyone so they won the console wars i guess that's what it comes down to they they ultimately won (laughs) (laughs) they've lost every generation but they won (laughs) what's crazy to me is to think about like I one one of the things that like uh they brought up in the in the video Uh, is like they they were talking about like um historically how things have gone with like console exclusives and like how those uh have coincided with like being showcases for technology and stuff like that and i i think i said this in the discord but like i don't generally think that that holds true because when you look at like when you look at when the xbox 360 was dominating I don't think that the most technically powerful games during that generation were fucking Halo and Gears of War. No. And I don't think that those showcased what the 360 could do. I think that they were... I I mean, for lack of a better term, like, they were system sellers because they were good, not because they were technical powerhouses, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But interesting stuff all the way around. So, uh, yeah, let's, I guess, uh, do you have anything else that you want to pontificate on? Do you want to take a guess at, as to what the games are? We, we have to assume Sea of Thieves, right? Dude, like that's... if it's, and I hate, because Justin's right, and I, they said it's not going to be a game released within the past year, and if you look at it, Hi-Fi Rush has been out longer than a year, just by barely. Yeah. But I have to fucking think that it's Sea of Thieves, Hi-Fi Rush for sure, and I don't know where I heard this rumor from. I don't know if it's Austin just putting shit in my head, but I thought Hi-Fi Rush was supposed to be on the Switch um, at some point. And it would play super well on the Switch. I think that'd be a great showcase for them. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think that'd be a great Switch game. Yeah. Um, outside of those two, man, like the reason I kept bringing up Forza is because it's, it's Forza Horizon 5 has been a couple years now. Um, and I'm like, do they put Forza Horizon 4 on there? Showcase that. Let people buy five. Do we get a game like Quantum Break? I think Justin said Pentiment. That one? Pentiment? Pentiment, yeah. Yeah. Pentiment, I think, would be an excellent game to put on, on, um, I think it's going to be Flight Simulator. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think that there's a... that has to be one because we're about to get a brand new one so let's showcase that one and let's get people hyped for the brand new one yeah yeah i i think that that's a i think that would be a very smart decision 
Mm. But I don't. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe like an older Gears game, you know? But. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I I do tend to think that the the franchises that they have um, uh, kind of built for themselves, uh, like Gears, Halo, stuff like that, like. I tend to think that those are things that they would want to keep behind their world garden because those are the games that you think of when you think of Xbox. Like, you know, uh, Forza would be a good one, but like, I do think that people associate Forza with Xbox and I don't know why you would want to change how people view those uh, necessarily. But it would be interesting to see if if they could get Halo Infinite over on a PlayStation. See if they could actually make that game into something, you know? Just, <clears throat> if that is what started the Halo revolution and I could go back and fucking enjoy Infinite and they fix their shit, I'd be happy with that. I was just joking. I was laughing in the background because I'm just sitting here like, I got it. It's Minecraft. <laughs> But it's already on. Everybody. Yeah, it's well, it's it's <laughs> technically not on the on the PS5. It's only on the oh, PS4. You're right because they have Minecraft PS4 edition, but they don't have uh, Bedrock edition or whatever it's called on the. Yeah, console. whatever the fuck it's called. Yo, that's this little sneaky thing they could do. Yeah, good for them for doing that. And finally, give me my 4K update, you cunts. That was promised. <laughs> I don't know how long ago. Yeah. So I, I that's. That's always a, a possibility. We'll, I mean, we'll definitely see. Like, it, we're talking about what did they say it was going to be here in the coming weeks that they were going to announce what the games were? Um, Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I see ABK games are coming to Game Pass starting in March, starting with Diablo 4. Um,. I do not see what games will be in, like when they'll be announced. Mm, okay. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I'm in a full agreement with you there. Um, Do they? No, they're just the. They're just kind of the. Pal World. No, Pal World's on everything except for. Um, Switch and PS5. I was just trying because they don't own. Pal World, I don't think, but I was trying to figure that one out too. Because if that came to PS5, that'd be pretty sick. But that's not yeah. their game. <clears throat> I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. All right. Uh, well, let's um, let's go ahead and get to what we've been playing. I can talk about mine together. So if you wanna, if you wanna start talking about Helldivers. Oh uh, yeah, man. Um. Austin bought this, Austin Game Shares, um, with myself. So I was not going to buy this this year. and Or if it was, it was going to be like a half-off sale at some point during the year. Um, just because it wasn't immediately on my radar because I was playing a lot of shit at the beginning of this year already. Like I was trying to balance Final Fantasy and Spyro at the same time because I wanted to platinum those three Spyro games. First one was down. Um, but he bought this. The motherfucker. Because now I'm completely distracted. So Helldivers 2. I, I'm, I'm going to be straight up. I did not know anything about the game going into it. I just knew that I watched some trailers. And it looked really awesome. Um, so I started playing it. And 
if this game is not the love child of Lost Planet and Monster Hunter, or yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to believe, man. Because first off, Lost Planet's such an underrated game. Bring that shit back. But it's so much fun, and it's so tactical based. Like it starts with this really beautiful and almost surreal cutscene that it's like it'll have you questioning: Is that a real person? Um, but it's an advertisement for becoming a hell diver. It's like, it starts off with this man talking about the most beautiful, like imagine the 1950s style, like house fast forward into the year 3000, like that kind of, you know, uh, just the family aesthetic. Like he, he starts talking about that, about having the ideal life. And then he's like, but then, and then an alien comes and kills his wife and kid right in front of him. And he was like, your life falls apart or something like that. And then he's like, join the Marines, <laughs> essentially. Um, it's, it's fucking crazy. And I was like, so this is the kind of game that I'm getting into. And it's, it had me. I was like, I'm in. Um, because this is essentially, I said it's like a Lost Planet Monster Hunter hybrid, but it reminds me of a fucking Starship Troopers. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I think that the, uh, the, the, like trailers that they showed during like the PlayStation showcase or whatever were very heavily inspired by the Star Trek troopers. Dude, it makes me want to go back and watch that. Mm, I'm not going to, cause I know what I'm getting myself into, but it makes me want to go back and watch that movie. Um, cause it's like in, in the, in the, in the thing, it's like become a Marine and it's like, see new exotic life. And it's some two story tall fucking tarantula alien insect thing. And it's like, <laughs> They they shoot a rocket launcher at it. It explodes all over. It's it's a really good introduction to the game, and then you get into the game. And again, mind you, I had no idea what I was getting into ahead of time. Um, so I get into it, and I play by myself to start. Before I start looking for other squads to join, this is very much a squad game. <clears throat> um, you can play this game by yourself. I recommend you don't, if you know it's good for you, because there's a lot of aliens. There's a lot of robots. It is not fun to die a lot. Unless you're with a squad. Um, because most of the time, if you're dying in a squad, it's because of friendly fire. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, what you're trying to say is that Austin is bad at the game and kills Austin you Austin is bad at the game, but also the game sets you up for fucking failure <laughs> with some of the abilities. So you get in and you have a basic loadout you can choose beforehand before you drop into the planet. So you can choose your primary, your secondary, a grenade, and then you can choose in like the ordinance you can call in. So I think that's one of the coolest things because during the tutorial you learn that you can have these little perks that you can call in from your starship above you. And it can be like raining fire down, or it can be like a, uh, like calling in like an ultimate weapon, like a machine gun or a rocket launcher or a sniper or something like that. But you put it in in real time. So you bring up your little pad, and as you're like holding down, I think it's L1, like you have to put in up, down, left, right, like up, up, left, right, down, down, right, left. Like you have to call it in, and they have unique codes to themselves. And I was like, that seems annoying. But it's really not, because in the moment, it adds to the level of chaos and fun. So you have these things you can call down. Different, uh, different. I forget what they're truly called, but I call them ordinance packages in my head. So you can formulate what you have ready to go 
based on the play style that you want to break down with your squad. If you're just going in with some ram randoms, do whatever you want. But I think it opens up for so much fun squad play because if you want one person to be designated as the replenishment ammo person, you can do that. You can call in like a supply pack backpack, wear it, your teammates can take ammo off of it. If you want to be the heavy ordnance person, you can put like airstrikes in, like a predator missile almost, but you don't guide it down. But that's just like imagine the power of that. Um, like you can call in a, a machine gun that you can carry around. Um, and then you have like these different, but all of these I'm saying, you don't have to be that. You can combine it all to make like a universal trooper loadout. And that's what I feel like most players do. But I think just the fact that you can customize how you play like that is such a fun and inspired idea. Um, but all that aside, you get into the game and you, you know, you put boots on the ground. So you start in orbit and you have two sides of the war you can go on. You can go and fight the automatrons, the robots, or you can go and fight the insects. The robots are for the real people, the real soldiers. I do not go to that side because it's scary. I go fight the insects where it's peaceful. Get to the robots in a minute. So you choose a mission from overhead. So you choose the system that you want to go into and one of like five different planets that people are currently working on you're working as a collective group all across the world to take over this planet from aliens and you have different points different missions that you can drop on these planets and you get to spend like 35 45 minutes with a timer counting down on these missions doing the core objectives doing additional objectives finding different like samples and resources throughout the map and just working as a team to get them uh, taken down. Uh, and that's super fun, man. And then you go over to the automaton, automatron side, and um, you want to kill yourself. Because it's the <laughs> same thing, but now you have metal robots running at you, as all robots are metal. Um, but now you need like armor piercing. They're super strong. They're firing back at you. Um, it's coming in mass waves. Like, mass waves. Um and it's just absolute brutality, but it's the same thing. Boots on the ground with different missions to accomplish. Um, working as a collective on that side of the war, too. Trying to liberate these planets. So on and so forth. The difficulty, so you start out on, like, trivial. And if you beat a trivial mission, you unlock easy. If you beat easy, you unlock medium. Medium to challenging, so on and so forth. Up until I think it's extreme. or No, I think it's Helldiver is the last difficulty. Um, it gets hard, man. And I'm glad that you can kind of customize which difficulty you want to play on because for now we're just kind of vibing out with it. Um, battle passes are very much part of the game, but if I'm not mistaken, once you have the battle pass, it's yours to keep until you finish it. It does not go away. Um, well, so, so kind of like the Halo Infinite battle passes? Yes, yes okay. if I'm not mistaken, that's how it goes. So there's a free one, and the free one, dude, is massive. Like, it's the size of a normal battle pass. The premium one is like three additional pages. Holy fuck. Yeah. So the free one, you can get fucking everything, dude. Um, and it's awesome. And then there's like different customization options for your hell diver. You can customize helmet, your like body armor and your cape. Um, the microtransactions in the game are stupidly cheap. Stupidly cheap. I spent like five bucks just to say i did and i got a full armor set out of it like oh it god was, damn yeah it's crazy um so good for them 
Um, but the game is just a ton of fun, man. And the squad play, I go back to it to kind of end this out. It's the most fun that I've ever had since, like, peak Destiny games. Um, oh, hell yeah. And in just terms of that squad mechanic. And it's, you're... You're going to get overwhelmed. There's going to be some hilarity that happens. The, the, the friendly fire. So it's a very realistic game. You have a set amount of magazines. You have a set amount of grenades. You have a set amount of everything. And you have to call in resupply if you want more. And on top of all of this, the friendly fire is very real. It, the, you do not turn it off. If someone walks in front of your gun, dead. If someone is anywhere near your airstrike when it goes off, dead. Um, it doesn't matter. You can, you have this little thing that you can call in that it gets dropped in like a normal drop, like it comes in hot and then it spawns from the ground and it deploys like a hundred little landmines. If someone walks on that, dead. <laughs> like it's just like there is no safety from it. So you have to communicate and be like, hey, I just dropped ordinance here, um, so on and so forth. Or sometimes if you're just playing with a friend and not giving a fuck and you want to just do it for fun, like Austin was surrounded by 20 fucking uh, uh, Terminids last night, one of which is like 20 times his size, and he's like, Dylan, I'm being swarmed. Dylan, I need help. And I was like, all right. So I called in an uh, orbital airstrike, and this is not a small explosion. This will fucking take out like a good like quarter-mile radius. So not really. I mean, it's smaller than that. But I threw it on him, and he was like, Dylan, I need help. I was like, I know I'm coming. All of a sudden, you just hear it coming in from the sky, and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> it just explodes. Everything is leveled around it, and I'm like, I got him. He was like, yeah, you got me too, fucker. <laughs> um, but it's just it's fun, man. It's a very fun team-based game um, that just kind of promotes really intuitive squad play, and it just gives you a lot of laughs. Uh, and it's, it's so extra. Like, they're out there, like, if – they they down a terminate they're like for democracy or something like that like it's oh lord it's funny as shit man like it's i did not know i needed this game in my life but it's it's very very great um i i jokingly said it's going to be my game of the year i don't know if it's a joke because i'm playing the shit out of it i cannot stop it's a lot of fun i recommend it hell yeah yeah i'll uh I don't know. I may or may not get to it. There's a, I played the first one for like a hot, hot minute and it was fucking hard, dude. Actually, this one's a first person shooter basically, right? So it's a third person shooter, but like as you're shooting and that's another thing I didn't even get into, like the shooting in this game, if you're moving, your crosshair is not where your crosshair is at. It shows you your crosshair, but then there's another circle floating around it showing how erratic your aim is actually going to be. So you have to slow down or time your shots perfectly. But it is a third person that you can, when you scope in, it goes first person, um, but only in that moment. It's kind of like Fortnite with the modded scope. Okay, okay. Okay, I got you. Uh, yeah, all right. So the, fir- the first one was a top-down kind of like bullet hell. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely curious on, uh, on this one. Um, yeah, nothing like that. It's, it's, it's crazy. And then I, I thought I remembered the first one being drastically different and I'm glad I didn't play this one. And this is my first introduction to the series because this is a, a format that I'm way more acclimated to. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, so we'll we'll see that. Like I said, that first one was fucking tough as nails. So um, that's why I haven't even remotely given this one. Yeah, I feel that. Like a like even like a passing glance. Also, I know that Final Fantasy is coming here in yeah. two weeks, and I'm like, I'm I'm preparing for that. So actually, not a twelve days. Oh, fuck. <sighs> tell me that. Yeah. Anyway, what Final yeah. Fantasy? What? Yeah. Speaking speaking of which, <laughs> um, I'm kind of going through the pixel remasters right now and trying to platinum them. Uh, I am very close. I think I'm on the final dungeon of uh, of three. Uh, if I'm not on the final dungeon, I'm on like the second to last dungeon. Like I'm not. I'm very far in the game. Um, but uh, I've I just kind of like made my way through all of this um, and have been playing. And I finished two not too long ago. And I know I talked, I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it was last week or if it was like two weeks ago. But I know that I talked on the last show that we did about playing Final Fantasy 1 and how it was kind of like therapeutic almost uh, with how much... Uh, like I have been just kind of like turning on a podcast and like doing things and like not necessarily paying attention to the story, but having it there, like as a, like a, uh, as a sort of like way to, um, uh, I don't know. Like, like these have been like, I'm not paying attention to the story, but it's there. And whenever I do pay attention, it's like, Oh, cool. Like, I'm paying attention to this now sort of thing. Um, and, uh, two is very strange because two is, you can see the, you can see where, um, what's the best way to put this? I see so many interesting things that came from uh, 2 in many different games. Um, Like, there is a password system in 2 where, like, you are... You you have to memorize these kind of, like, keywords um, in order to... uh, be able to like progress the story. Uh, it, it maybe not, maybe you don't have to do that. Like it's, but like if you want to learn more about the world and, and all that stuff, you have this, this sort of, like I said, password or, or keyword system where you go around and to get more information from things or, or from people about like what's going on in the world, you have to use these special like codes and it, is really interesting because this was a game that was made, I think it came out in 88. So this is like, you know, 20 or 30 years before we get something like, um, uh, any sort of like, uh, not dialogue system because dialogue systems are a, a little bit more different than what, what this was. But like, 
you're getting this system that is very, like, very, very ahead of its time. And you look now and you see shit like what, um, like, Telltale was doing where, like, you have these sort of, like, keywords or, like, actions that were taken that sort of, like, um, have meaning later on in, in the game. And this same sort of thing was in a game made in 1988. Or if you wanted to go like a different route, I, uh, I'm relatively sure I'm not making this up, but, uh, it was like oblivion where basically you, the way that things worked is you, um, leveled up a skill by like, doing it more often so like if you wanted to grow your strength or whatever like you would just swing your sword more and that same exact system is in final fantasy 2 which is again like oblivion was what 2006 maybe yeah and so you're looking at at least a 26 year difference between final fantasy 2 and oblivion which is like maybe the most well-known example of, of that sort of thing happening, which is kind of fucking crazy. Um, but with, with all of that said, it, I liked the stuff that it was doing and, uh, it was interesting to see that stuff in action well ahead of its time. But in the context of the game itself and everything that the game was doing, it did, I'm not going to lie, get a little bit annoying sometimes because, like, you would, the way that some of the stuff works is really kind of obtuse. Like, if you want to, if you want to raise your HP, you have to take damage in battle, which kind of doesn't make sense in a way. Like, you're, you're, it, that should not be how those two are tied together, I don't feel like. I mean, maybe I'm fucking wrong and stupid, but, like, intuitively, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but, so, like, there's that, but alongside that, there's stuff that just, like, to me, didn't, like, it wasn't as as fun as just progressing the way that, like, you you would through a normal RPG. Like, I, I didn't like having to grind for, like, three, four, five, six, seven battles to raise my strength by, like, one point, you know? Like, that yeah. just is, like, tedious and not fun in the way that, like, I think they probably had thought that it would be. And it's it's not a it's not a bad system per se, but it's just... In 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 the system that they built, like there there could have been a, a maybe a better way to go about doing that. Um, so I it wasn't bad. It just what like was a little frustrating uh, in in some ways. Um, but the story into is way more robust. Uh, like it's still kind of bare bones in like, like we don't like when we think of stories today, like we think of like, you know, the last of us and stuff like that. And like, those are kind of like almost like standard bearers 
for what's going on. Uh, but like compared to one where like you don't get any sort of backstory on any of the characters, like it's just a sort of like you you wake up in this kingdom and like uh, you you are the chosen ones and it is now your turn to kind of like go out into the world and like protect it from evil. This one is like talking about war and how it affects children and like how how uh, like children are wrapped up into the the uh, like I don't even know what the the word I'm trying to say like how they're basically thrust into the world of of, of war like and it's just kind of like oh oh sh- shit <laughs> you know um. And it's just, it's very it's very interesting. It's a very like big step up from from one. And originally, I'd wrote in my script, and I think that like this has changed for me. Originally, I'd wrote that I think that two is significantly better than one. I don't think that it's better. I think that it's different. Um, and uh, because of that, like I'm more inclined to to like it because it is, it is like a, 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 I feel like a very strong move forward for the series in that it like, it tries new things and doesn't really like rest on the laurels that it had from the previous game. But at the same time, uh, it didn't all work and it's maybe a worse game because of the things that it tried than the first one. Um, I still really enjoyed my time with it, but like, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very different beast. It's a very, very different beast. Um, I'm playing through three right now. And I know I talked on our game of the year episode about how much I loved fucking final fantasy five and like all of the things that it was doing that were interesting and different. And, uh, three is kind of the precursor to that. Um, three in a weird way falls back to kind of like what Final Fantasy one was, wherein it has a more simplistic story. Um, but it is, oh, and, and there are other things too. Like there's more of a traditional leveling, leveling system where you gain levels and then your stats increase, that sort of thing. Um, but there's, uh, there's a little bit more of a, um, um, interesting and, uh, robust, let's say, um, system in place here with the job system, which is kind of like a sort of thing that I think gets taken for granted now because it is kind of i just ingrained in us like we've we've had it for so long but like for the time this was very very interesting where you can change basically your your class from from the very beginning and um like i just think that this system is fucking rad and it is so cool because it informs so many of the the games that i love like like further down the line like there's a um 
a stickiness to being able to change your classes to do whatever you need in any given moment. Um, so like you, there are instances where you'll go into boss fights in, in, or not even necessarily boss fights, but you'll go into like dungeons that require you to do like something where like you cast, uh, like mini on yourself and you have to run through the entire, um, dungeon in like a miniaturized form. But the thing is, is when you're in mini, your physical attacks only do like one damage. So you have to be doing magical damage if you're going to get through the entire dungeon. So you have to switch your entire party to magic-based classes. Um, And that's just like a really interesting way to go about designing like dungeons or boss battles. There's one boss that like you can get through, I think without uh, a Dragoon, but it's kind of annoying not having a Dragoon. And if you switch your entire class, or like your entire party to that one class, you can get through that fight without literally taking any damage whatsoever. And like you knock him out in like three turns. It's, it's just, it's a very interesting system that they built that allows a lot of expression from the player side. And it also is sort of like a, uh, this is something that I I plan to talk about in the video whenever I, you know, get around to it. But this is something that like is also like, it allows you almost to customize your difficulty in a way. Like, like I said, with that, with that one boss in particular, you don't necessarily have to do the thing where like you're um, you're all dragoons, you don't have to go into that. So like, if you want to go into that boss fight and have a hard time, have a Dark Souls esque boss fight, you can. Just don't go in there with the dragoons. Or like, if you want to try to get through a dungeon with only doing one damage because you're in miniaturized form, then by all means, go ahead. It, but it just allows you as the player uh, a fuck ton of agency. It allows you to take on things how you see fit. And like, I just, I think this system fucking rules, man. And it was the, the one drawback to it in this game in particular is that the way that you level up the jobs is by how many turns in combat you use them. Which, if you over-level, because your your level and your job level are different, and your stats level up with your your you know, actual level, and um, your job level just is like a... I, I think it has some sort of bearing on your stats, but it's not like a... Like, it's not that when you gain a job level, you gain extra stats. It's more that, like when you have a higher job level, you do better things with that. So like, if you have like, for instance, you have a knight who's like level one, he's going to be attacking and it's going to be doing less damage versus when you have a, a a knight that's level 99, you're going to presumably you are better at, at your quote unquote job. So you do more damage type thing. Um, but 
it's annoying to have it like if you have a like further in the in the growth tree of the job you're taking out enemies in like one hit uh like especially if you're a higher level like i i'm pretty sure i'm in the the high 50s in my uh current playthrough of three and um because of that my stats are are kind of ridiculously high um and uh so like i will be able to take on some enemies in like one or two turns and just have them completely fucking demolished and that doesn't allow me to level up my job as much and that's a drawback that i i do think is it's fixed in five, like five really refined what the job system could be. So you're gaining like a, a, a separate set of XP for your job. And that's determined by the enemies that you fight. Um, so there is a drawback to it, but it is also like just a really fucking fun and awesome system to, to run around in. And I am, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very uh, much uh, enjoying my time with these games. Um, I, I really, really fucking am digging playing through these old games, especially the ones that I haven't played like played to completion before. Like, I had played one and two on the PSP, but like they felt very different from the Final Fantasies that I was used to. They like they even feel like significantly different compared to four, which was like in terms of development timeline, they were, it was like 87 and then like 91, I think when it might've even been 90. Um, but like, that's what a four year gap between the four games. And like, even just within that four year gap, four feels like a far cry from one and two. Um, and I'm just, I'm really enjoying these games that I've, I've never, uh, played to completion or in the case of three, I've never played it at all. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good shit, man. I'm really, really fucking digging these games. And now the big bad ones coming out in two weeks. Yep. And I don't know how I'm going to react because I'm very, (sighs) um, passionate i'm i i love seven i i i don't know if i've ever told you this before but i used to be a pretty adamant seven hater like i never thought that seven was bad but it was just one of those games that like i i didn't understand why so many people loved it versus like eight or nine which i always viewed as the better games um I don't know. I love seven now. Like it's just, it's, it's grown significantly on me and I'm, I'm so very, very ready for rebirth to come out because it looks like literally everything I could want out of a modern final fantasy. So, well, let's fucking hope after 16. Yeah. 16 big fucking let down, man. (sighs) Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, that's that's it. Uh, do you have a, um, a a pick of the week for us? I do. I do. You ready? Yes. My pick of the week is a song by Medusa and Hosier. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you've 
heard of any one of Hosier's songs, you, you've heard Take Me to Church. And he sings in this song with not that kind of passion, but um, I guess just kind of energy. Like he, it's a more upbeat song. And this is, so imagine his lyrics on top of like a more, more dancey type of vibe. Um, and um, you, you, you get paradise and, um, it's one of those songs that will be stuck in your head for a very, very long time. This is a song that, um, it kind of fits any mood, man. When I get out of, when I'm in the, on the way to work, listening to it, out of work, listening to it, even at the gym, dude, like I can, I can listen to this anywhere and it's just, it's a complete bop. So, uh, check it out. Very, very good song. Hell yeah. Uh, my pick of the week is um, actually, so <laughs> I hate to admit this because it's fucking stupid as hell, but like I am learning about like new music through Fortnite. <laughs> oh, okay. That's not bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. If you've been um, discovering new music anywhere, that's a great thing. And uh, Fortnite's yeah. doing it? Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, so there was an emote that dropped the other day called No Cure. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so I was like immediately into the song because I was like, this is this is catchy. I like this or whatever. And so I searched for the song and the song is called Cure For Me from the artist Aurora. Aurora yeah. Now, I have a real quick anecdote about her specifically. I had no clue at all who the fuck this was when I was when I found out the song Um and then I saw her face and I was like, oh my God, she's <laughs> that weird girl who was like promoting the, uh, that game company game during the, um, I think it was like the game awards or summer games fest or something like that. And, um, I was like, what this fucking random ass person who, when I was watching the announcement of this game, uh, just happened to come out and I was like, who the fuck is this? Why is she promoting this game or whatever? And then, um, yeah, turns out that she wrote this fucking cool ass song called cure for me. And, uh, yep. Yeah. So, so have you listened to more of her music? I have not. Uh, Please I, go listen to runaway. Okay. That's, that's going to be the, my next step. It's um, literally her number one most played song. I guarantee it, but it's, just she's beautiful dude <laughs> like her voice is uh almost magical like it just oh my god just listen to that song yeah i i love her voice like she's got a very distinct uh like uh dialect i guess would be like like you don't hear voices like hers and like the backing track to her to that song is just very like very oh, catchy. Yeah. It's a it's an earworm, man. I I'm I'm digging the hell out of it. So it's one of those songs. Like if you're just standing up, you're gonna move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's good, dude. Uh, Runaway is different. I will say that Runaway is not an uppity song. Okay, that's what I was gonna. Uh, I was about to say what's what's the name of the other song? But okay, cool. Yeah, it's Runaway. Runaway. It's right. but how you oh, just. I just later today when we're off the podcast and we go do our own things. If you listen to it, text me how you think uh, how you think it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually probably I'm gonna pull it up right now. It's <sighs> angelic, I think is a good word for it. 
Mm. The top comment on this uh, video for the Runaway song is Aurora at 11. I wrote a song, me at 11. Why is the moon following me? <laughs> uh, that's funny. But Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it uh, for us over here. Do all the things. You know where to find us. Um, yeah. Uh, keep your eyes out on the, on the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that I'll have this video done uh, pretty soon. I don't know if it'll be out before Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, but... It, I'm I'm hoping to to hit it around the same time. So ooh, that'd be ah, uh, be juicy. That'd be nice, but we'll see. Um. So yeah. Uh. All right. Well, that's that's it for us. That's the end of the show. So until next time, goodbye.